Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. You know it's a Chicago winter when you wake up to 20, currently 26 degrees and say, wow, this is the warmest. Balmy. It's been in weeks. It leads me to a, a fill in the blank that I'd like you to participate in. You know it's a Chicago winter when ah dot dot dot. How would you fill in the blank for that one? You know it's a Chicago winter when fill it in. You know it's a Chicago winter when you don't want to take your car to get a car wash because you know it's just going to get salty <laughs> the next day. That's a good. One. Very true. You know, it's a Chicago winter when dot, dot, dot. I'm going to give a Carl and crew prize pack on this one. I'm going to pick uh, one answer uh, to to be our winner. But if you got <laughs> you got maybe a, a, a funny or clever or a very Chicago way of responding to that, text us 312-274-9624. You know, it's a Chicago winter when dot, dot, dot. Text your answer to 312-274-9624. It's like coffee, but for your ears. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. I'm cracking up at some of these answers. I asked you to do a fill in the blank, Young Thunder said. <laughs> Just kind of offhand. It's really a, a quite balmy, a night much warmer than it's been in a couple of weeks yeah. this morning. And it's like 20, a nice 25 degrees. 25 outside. degrees. So that led us to this fill in the blank question. You know, it's a Chicago winter when. Oh boy, that's some. This it's funny. The the uh, this one came in quite a bit. You know, it's a Chicago winter when the lawn chairs, yard decorations, and anything else you can grab is out in the street claiming dibs on a parking spot. <laughs> that one yep. was probably or some form of that was w- the most popular answer. Ah. And that is, a, I don't know if other cities do that, but that's a funny Chicago thing where you drive around after a big snowstorm and you see that people have put lawn chairs, oh, yeah. buckets, yes. brooms, shoes, it's my spot, clothes, anything that you can find to like claim, hey, I shoveled this thing out. I want it to be there when I get back. It's fair. You know, it's a Chicago winter when the temperature is above freezing and you see people start wearing shorts and sandals. Definitely seen that. You know, it's a Chicago winter when... You don't see the sun. Yeah, unfortunately. When you another one, you when you see chairs in the street saving your parking spot, 1278. This one made me laugh. <laughs> Hit home boy. too hard. You know, it's a Chicago winter when the Bears are no longer playing, but other teams are in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, ouch. Oh, ouch. Yeah. As promised, I am going to uh, pick at random a winner of the uh, submissions to get a Carlin Crew prize pack. You will know if you won if you get a text message from us. Coming up, though, the story behind a really well-known ministry, the lesser-known story, I should say, behind a well-known ministry, Compassion International. Coming up. Boom Crew. Celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, there's a ministry that you may be familiar with. It's called Compassion International. But my guess is you probably are not familiar with the backstory of how it all got started and the Chicago connection. Uh, Matt Bronlewy joins us right now. He co-authored a book with Eric Wilson that tells uh, a relatively unknown to many story about how compassion came to be. First, Matt, start with the the Chicago connection, the guy who started 
started this was a Chicago pastor. He was. Yeah. Everett Swanson was his name. He grew up in Sycamore, Illinois. He ends up in Chicago at Central Avenue Baptist Church, uh, where he's a pastor for six years. Um, And that's before he has his trip to Korea, where he begins to learn about the situation there. Yeah. Now, the book, the title of the book, What Are You Going to Do? And those those words were significant in the start of this ministry for Everett Swanson. He heard those words. Uh, uh, give us the backstory and why this really prompted him to start this ministry. Everett was Chicago pastor. Um, he decided to leave the pastorate uh, and was asked to go on a worldwide tour Uh, by Bob Cook, uh, known for Youth for Christ, and goes on that tour. And while he's traveling the world, uh, he feels this calling to go to Korea. Now, this is during the Korean War. Uh, We're talking about 1951. The war had started just the year before. So the funny thing is, like, Everett is praying to go into Korea. His wife, Miriam, is praying that he doesn't end up in Korea. (laughs) Mm. But um, he ends up in Korea. where he begins to speak to troops and everything like that. Um, But it's during his time there that he encounters uh, these children, these orphans who are in the street who have nothing. What actually happens is he is out. It's a kind of a chilly day, probably not unlike it is today. And he was walking down the street, must've been warm enough. The sun was out. Maybe he had his coat on his arm and a kid ran by, grabbed his coat, And, you know, Everett's this guy from Chicago. He's a sly character. And so he takes (laughs) off after this kid. He needs his coat back. It's chilly. Uh, They're running through alleyways and everything. And this kid ditches the coat. Everett walks up. He picks up the coat. And underneath is this shivering little child. Mm. Uh, He's shocked, of course. He runs. He gets some food. He gets some soup. He gets some blankets. He comes back. And discovers that it's not only this one child, that it's dozens of children that have been orphaned. Many of them don't even have shoes on their feet. Uh, And he's just struck by this. So and then it's a time later that he's actually coming back to America from Korea. And a Korean pastor uh, talks to him before he boards the plane and says to Everett, you know, now that you've seen the tremendous need and opportunity, what are you going to do? Wow. Wow. And so out of that question uh, was born uh, the ministry uh, that today we know as Compassion International. It's it's been around for 70 years. Today sponsors over 2 million children all over the world, providing meals, education, vocational training, Bibles, letters, support, uh, most importantly, in the name of Jesus. This isn't just charity work. Uh, How important was it to the heart of uh, the founder, Everett Swanson, that this not just be a handout, but that there really be the hope of Jesus Christ attached to it? Yeah, I mean, Everett started uh, as, you know, somebody who loved to speak to people. He was an evangelist. We know kind of looking at at kind of his earlier life that he modeled a lot of his ministry after Billy Graham. So that was kind of the path that he was on. You know, when he was in Korea at first during his first trip there, he was speaking to large groups, sometimes 10, 15,000 people at a time. Uh, So he was very used to speaking to people um, about the good word. You know, that was definitely something very near and dear to his heart. And then it wasn't until he began to see this plight with the orphans that he began to kind of adjust what this vision might look like. And he he 
knows that, you know, the, the Bible calls for people to care for or, orphans and widows. And that's what he begins to do with this ministry. He begins to, like, seek out these orphanages that were caring for children and to help them. But, you know, it's a very holistic approach that he took. It wasn't just the felt needs of the kids, although he knew that was very important. Right. He also knew that it was important to look after their spiritual needs. And so these children had a curriculum um, that included spiritual learning uh, and, and, you know, being able to hear passages from the Bible and learn what happened, um, you know, around them with all that. So they, there was a very deep focus on the spiritual needs of these children. We've got Matt Bronlewey with us right now. He co-authored a book with Eric Wilson, What Are You Going to Do? It's the inspiring story of Everett Swanson and the founding of Compassion International. Uh, coming up, Everett, we're going to ask um, the author, how did Everett discover this sponsorship model that is now so common? And what obstacles did he encounter when he tried to bring Americans in to support this work in Korea? More coming up. Start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, we're talking about the founding today, the founder of a phenomenal ministry known by many, Compassion International. We've done some work with uh, Compassion here on Moody Radio, uh, but the backstory is not as well known. Now, when Everett Swanson, the founder, he discovered the plight of orphans in war-ravaged Korea, he brought back this, this idea. What opposition did he find when he brought this idea back to America? You know, I think one of the biggest problems was just getting the word out. You know, this is obviously long before social media. You know, we've become so accustomed to being able to get the word out to literally millions of people, the world, you know, almost instantly these days. And we forget that, you know, 70 years ago, there wasn't that opportunity. Uh, so whatever it needed to do was go church to church. You know, he brought films and photos and stories, everything he could to begin to explain to people what was going on there. And, you know, people were impacted by that. Once they heard and once they saw what was going on, uh, he was able to implement this sponsorship model, which really, you know, it had been used very little before Everett really seized that idea. Uh, and he was able to utilize it in a way that kind of hadn't been before, where these families were able to sponsor a kid and they were able to speak, you know, across the seas through letters, through translators and everything. Um, back then, they could even send people in America could send gifts and things like that. So they were able to have this tie to one another that was very unique and very special. Hmm. Now, you are your background. You're a Grammy nominated, award winning producer, songwriter. You helped form the band Jars of Clay, uh, also an author. What is it about this story that piqued your interest so much to co-author this book? Yeah. You know, this is a family story for me. My wife's folks were in town. They had a book from Compassion. It was an anniversary book, had photos. And my father-in-law was flipping for, through the few, first few pages. And he'd say, Uncle Everett this, Uncle Everett that. And I stopped oh. him and I was like, wait a second. Are you saying that the founder of Compassion International is your uncle? <laughs> I had no idea. Wow. And, you know, I grew up with compassion. I mean, we had a compassion kid, a photo of a compassion kid on our uh, refrigerator. I do as well very... right now, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I think there's thousands, if not millions of people that have experienced that same thing. Uh, you know, having a 
compassion child either in the past or present. Um, and so when I found out that this was a family story, um, and just it was very exciting. I mean, when you read the story, there are twists and turns. There are uh, miraculous moments. There are moments of utter hardship. It's a heart-wrenching story, but it's also a heartwarming story. But I found out so much through the family. You know, I had the opportunity to speak with lots of the Swanson family in order to get these direct stories about Everett. Mm. And so what's the takeaway both for you and for the reader? Obviously, this is a, a, a fascinating story. It's uh, true to life. But uh, what's what's the takeaway? What do I do with this information that I'm learning about this great guy, Everett Swanson? You know, I'm really struck by this question, what are you going to do? And I'm also struck with the first part of that question that was given to Everett, which was, now that you've seen the tremendous need and opportunity, and I just thought that was so unique, this idea of opportunity. You know, I think oftentimes when we come across something difficult or, you know, it may be as small as somebody needing a door open for them because they have their hands full of groceries. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? But I think the idea that it's an opportunity, this is an opportunity for us to reach out, to show love, to express connection. Uh, I think that that's just a tremendous takeaway, that these hardships that we see in life are actually opportunities for us to connect. The book is called What Are You Going to Do? Eric Wilson and Matt Bronlewy, who is our guest this morning. You can find it at moodybooks.org, moodybooks.org. Great work, Matt. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. 8.05 here on this Monday morning. This is Carl and Crew. A couple of uh, staffing updates for you. Not really staffing, but team team updates for you. Made it sound like someone was leaving. Yeah, staffing sounded way too dramatic. It did. Sorry about that. Uh, Young Thunder and I are in studio, so Thunder Alley in full effect. That's right. Here we go. (laughs) Carl is still (laughs) traveling in India. Uh, We've been able to touch base with him a couple of times, but we're kind of at the mercy of his schedule there. Obviously, he's got a full itinerary. Um, Just checking out some ministry stuff over there on a bit of a missions trip. So he should be back with us midweek. We'll hear all about his travels. And Super Die feel like some music is needed here. See if you can find some hmm. music. Uh, general feel? Some sort of clue as to where Super Die is hmm. today. Okay, hold on. Oh. Uh, music? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm putting him on the spot. I, I love the creative things that Jonathan comes up with. While he's searching, I want to tell you about our New Year's giveaway in case you've not entered in to win a book, a copy of the book, Seven Resolutions by Carl phenomenal resource to help you uh, be a better use, make better use of your time, make better friends, join God. Uh, All of the things that you tend to struggle with, those habits and hangups that have got you down over years, maybe you felt like I can never get free. This book addresses all of that. Just text the word new to get signed up for our online giveaway. Text new to 312-274-9624. Text new to 312-274-9624. 
Okay, Young Thunder, without further ado, what did you find for me? A clue to where Superdye is today. All right, Allie, I've got, I, I need your help on this. I've got two sounds. Okay. One is going to give you a little bit of a chill, a little goosebumpy. And then the other one, it might, might be a fonder memory, but maybe a little obscure for some people, maybe not for others. Let's go with the, let's, uh, let's go with the fonder memory. Fonder first. memory. All right, let's do that. You know what movie this is from? No. Finding Nemo. All right. That one that one doesn't give me any clue. Okay. So, so give me the second one before you explain it. Give okay. me the second option. Here's the second one. Young Thunder. Huh. What in the world? It's a dentist drill. When they're when they're cleaning in your mouth and they're drilling a hole. It's the dentist drill, and it gives me. I, so I hate the dentist. I love dentists. You dentists, you're great, but I'm terrified of the dentist's office, okay. and so that gives me chills. Young Thunder, huh? We've we've not communicated well today, and it's become very clear. Oh we're, no! We're talking about two totally. I forgot. Okay. Okay. Right, you know what? We're we're li- <laughs> it's live radio, so. Superdye I forgot missed. where Diana was. Superdye missed on Friday because of the dentist. Yes. But Superdye's not missing today because of the dentist. That's so you're true. You're hearing me these dentist noises, and I'm going, what in the I'm world? I'm sorry. Okay, it's so okay. yeah, that's a problem. It's okay. I, I forgot <sighs> that she oh, wasn't boy. at the dentist anymore. She's not at the dentist. She was at the dentist on- I'm uh, just going to go ahead and tell you, because none of this is making sense to you. <laughs> Superdye's got jury duty yeah, today. Sorry. I was thinking you were going to come up with I know. Like, the intro to the People's Court. I, that, well, that's what I would have gotten. Long. If order. I remembered she was on jury duty today. You're giving me dentist drills. And I I'm thought like, she was at the dentist. Connect the dots for me, Young yeah, Thunder. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, boy. Sometimes. Well, better late than never. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I'm sorry. Okay. If it helps, I'm just I'm more embarrassed than you are. Oh, boy. Pulled up dentist. She's at jury duty. She's at jury duty. So it's Thunder Alley. Yeah. Long winding road around the Creedy's bar <laughs> to get there. Around the dentist office. Lauren Daigle's going to help us out here. <laughs> so, we'll oh, Lord is right. Track. I think we need some adult supervision around here. We do. Carl, Diana, don't want to leave us alone in here. <laughs> Please. Someone help. The craziest carpool in Chicagoland. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. I need to take up some sort of sport so my family can come watch me. Or maybe I should just invite them in the studio so that they can come watch me. <laughs> I'm good. I like that. Yes. <laughs> or, you you know, you could take up like a summer softball league. Summer, maybe pickleball. Because this, I kid you not, this weekend, count yeah. them, between my husband's team, he's uh-huh. a coach, my son's on a basketball team and a flag football team concurrently. Okay. My daughter is a high school basketball player. So between yeah. those three, just those three, count them. Want to know how many games were played this weekend? I'm going to say that you went to or just played? I didn't make it. I'm, to I, everyone. I, didn't I mean, it's make kind it of impossible. All of them. I'm going to say there were seven games played this weekend. You are correct. Yes. That's seven. also terrifying. Ding, 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 ding. I made it to five out of the seven. That's really good. <laughs> five out of the seven. It was. I'm trying to think of what the record was for the the weekend games. I think I think it was five and two. I mean, that's a pretty good record. Did five you, and did two Did you see any weekend. of the losses? 
I did see, yes, I did see some of the law. I okay. saw one of the losses. One of the losses, okay. Uh, though I saw four wins. I saw four wins That's and great. one loss. That's great. So it was a it was a solid weekend of sports, but boy, I was tired. Are, are your kids at a point where they kind of understand, hey, there's seven games in a weekend. It's going to be impossible for mom to show up to all of them. Or are they like, no, mom's got to be here. Oh, as long as they're able to get there. Yeah. Whether it's me taking them, my husband taking them or a carpool. Yeah. They're okay. They're at that point where they're, they, especially my daughter, they're not that concerned of whether or not be I'm there, don't be there. It's them. okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's all good. So okay. when I, when, uh, when Sunday rolled around and I was like, I'm sitting this one out, yeah. you guys go ahead and go without me. <laughs> sure. They were like, you feeling okay, mom? Oh, well, that's really nice. And they were, so they were all good. And they're, ha- they're fine for me to miss, but I good. like to be there. Of course, I really do love kids. to be there yeah. for my husband's team and for my kids' teams. But, I was really tired and I need to take up a sport so that people can come watch me for a change. You do. So what time we need to find the sport where your kids are off the most? What like what season hmm. or do your kids play the least okay, amount of so sports? I think I need to take up a summer sport, a summer sport. OK, a summer sport. Boom crew. What sport do you think I should take up <laughs> so that I can have a role reversal and yeah. people can come watch me do something? What sport do you think that I might be able to learn and do something so that people can watch me. <laughs> A little tongue-in-cheek here. But if I were to take up something, what do you think? Should I try pickleball or tennis or softball or maybe something else? Give me a text. Let me know. 312-274-9624. Full disclaimer, I'm not going to be good. But that's okay. That is entirely okay. <laughs> I'm going to get out on the field or the court and I'm going to compete my little heart out. And somebody's going to cheer for me. Hey, Boom Crew, this is Matt Forte. Huddle up, because we're taking our next step with Jesus here on Carl and Crew in the Morning. Well, Boom Crew, I'm loving your suggestions. Lots of votes for uh, softball and beach volleyball. That does make sense, given my volleyball, volleyball background. Beach yes. volleyball, I won't be able to get up uh, out of the sand to jump anymore, but <laughs> have you seen give the, it a good try. Have you seen the tournaments they have over on uh, the, the Michigan oh, Avenue yeah. Beach? North that Ave? Play, yeah, nor, yeah, North Ave Beach. You, you should enter into that. I, maybe I will. Yes. And invite my whole family to come watch me. <laughs> Bowling pickleball, uh, darts. Ooh, Ooh, darts is a good one. Competitive bingo. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Get that stamping arm ready, Allie. You guys want to come watch me play bingo? That (laughs) might be a tough sell. I should do the Iditarod. No, I'm going to leave that to my buddy Carl. He can do that. NASCAR driver, 1524. Uh, You probably don't listen very often. That NASCAR (laughs) driving is definitely uh, outside of my comfort zone, but I love the idea. Love the confidence. Softball, beach volleyball, pickleball, Bowling, I could definitely take up bowling. My high score is probably, if I reach the three digits, it's a great day. Oh, absolutely. I feel Usually that. somewhere in the 70 to 80 range. I get that. Yeah, absolutely. That's I good. Don't, I don't do it enough to be very good at it. I mean, bowling's hard. <laughs> but it doesn't feel like it should be. No, like, it's such a simplistic sport. All you got to do is roll sport. the ball straight. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it's, it, it feels like it should be a pretty simple thing to execute. But I agree. It's not. It certainly isn't. It's definitely not. Frisbee golf, 8966. I actually really like that idea. Frisbee golf is a ton of fun. And of course, I love, love, love watching all of the people I love in my life do their thing. So this is is all, um, you know, 
for radio purposes. Yes, <laughs> so yes. Like, lest you think I'm complaining over here. I'm a blessed mama who gets to go and watch my kids and my husband uh, compete in their favorite sport. Coming up, we are going to go back to the future. And by that, revisiting what we talked about last week, I thought, you know what? I'm, there's a couple more of these upside-down kingdom principles that we did not get to that I want to tackle this first part of this week. Coming up, the least are the greatest. We'll talk about it. Help me make the connection, Young Thunder. We're going back to the future. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I did say back to the future. Yeah, we had a great time last week talking about these upside down principles of kingdom living. Uh, that in in Christ, the weak are strong. The foolish things are used to shame the wise. Do you remember a pop quiz, Young Thunder? Do you remember any of the others? Those I gave you the first two. Yeah. How good um, did you listen last week? <laughs> come weak on, or, man. Weak or strong? I had a whole weekend. Um, I know. Here, if you want to know the truth, yeah. I'm, I'd have to check my notes to remember. Yeah, please. <laughs> I, you're, I, I'm embarrassed now. No, we had weak <laughs> are strong. Foolish things are shown to be wise. Faith, we walk by faith and not by sight. And then on Freedom Friday, you have to die Ah, to live. Today we're tackling another one that is all over Scripture. And in in different ways, there's some nuances to this one. The least are called great. I want to give you the setup. You see this in a couple of the different Gospels, uh, but I want to take you to the Gospel of Luke, Luke 9. this is the the setup for this is kind of interesting because Jesus is telling his disciples that he's about to be, he says the son of man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. So he's telling, he's foretelling his own death. Yeah. They don't understand it. And then they immediately start arguing right after he tells them this, they start arguing. So who among us is the greatest? So, like, the timing of it is kind of hilarious. <laughs> it is a little odd. It's he, like, it's almost like they weren't listening. Like, he said something, and and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, like, how about this? So, they start arguing. <laughs> who's, so, who's going to be the greatest? And it's like, guys, but it, we're so much like, so like that. You oh, can't, yeah. you, you kind of, you laugh, but you see yourself in it. That Jesus is so gracious and so patient with us. So it's Luke 9, 46, an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. So they were looking at greatness from a, probably a some like a a, a a standard that was probably similar to what the world might look at greatness. Metrics of greatness in the world deal with level of influence, popularity, power, fame. Anything else can you think would be a metric of greatness Mm -hmm. that the world might might look to to determine least to greatest? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, intellect. Yes. Uh, physical strength, you know, power, but the you know positions of power and then you have physical strength. I think mm-hmm. those things can be it. Uh, appearances, what somebody looks like. Yeah. Uh, I, I think all of those things can can kind of show a, a greatness, but it's not really great, obviously, we know. And so they're sort of jockeying for position, trying to determine 
where they would rank in whatever order that they've created. And so Jesus doesn't even answer the question directly, but he 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 sees their reasoning. I love that that it that it says that Jesus knowing the reasoning of their hearts. So in them asking who was the greatest, he understood the reasoning behind the question. That this just wasn't like a informational type of question. This was yeah. an identity type of question. Where yeah. do I kind of fit in this pecking order? And so he grabs a child and he brings the child close and says, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me for he who is least among you all is the one who is great. So a child, probably no surprise, ch- children didn't have a real high standing. Right. They, and, and in many ways, they still don't. Children are yeah. considered kind of lesser of less importance a lot of times. Yeah, less to be listened to, yes. to be believed, to be followed. You know, yep. like you don't you don't follow a child's lead most of the time. Nope. But he takes this child as an example, and so it's not it's not even so much in the, that they should be like the child. It's that are you willing to serve the child? Mm. That's who would be the greatest. Is the one who would come low enough to serve a child, to yeah. serve somebody who's kind of low on the pecking order from yeah. a social standing. Humility is what's called for here. Then we see that everywhere. I want to take you to James 4, 6. But it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It requires humility to come low to serve. Mm-hmm. So who is the one who is great? If it is the least among you all who's the one who is great, who are the least? Yes, children, but beyond that, who are the least? Let's talk about that and how we can live out this principle today. Coming up. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. So you want to be great You want to have an impact. You want your life to count. You want to be significant. We all have that kind of hardwired in us, that craving for significance. We want our life to matter. Sure. You know, when we're, when we're dead and gone and with the Lord, we want it to have mattered that we ever lived, right? Of course. And so sometimes in this search for greatness and significance, we can easily fall into a worldly way of measuring that. And it can mm-hmm. become about how many people we can reach. Because we can even Christianize our attempts for greatness sometimes. Yeah, where, sure. Where we we would say that we are humbling ourselves. But sometimes that flesh creeps in. Yeah. It's like, I really feel called to do such and such. But I'd like for people to be able to see me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I had known people, uh, you know, I'm not going to give names, be anonymous. I, I've known people who said that they they felt called to be a pastor, but specifically of a mega church. Okay. And yeah. my question to them was, why do you feel called to be specifically a pastor of a mega church? Now, I'm not saying that God can't call you to something calls like many that. people to that. But there are some who have erred in the sense of thinking that my impact, if I want to have an impact, needs to come from up front and it needs to be in front of a lot of people. Yeah. And, and that's not always the way. It's not always the way. So we, we there's part of us sometimes that craves to be front and center, to be, to have our achievements recognized. Yes. And 
I'm not there's nothing wrong with getting recognition for things that you've done, but I think it's this keeping our heart, asking the Lord to keep our heart in check to where what's driving us is not that thirst for significance, that quest for recognition, but we're actually driven by our service unto the Lord. If people happen to see or if people happen to uh, to take notice of it, sometimes we almost like the the people who have truly figured this out, and it's yeah. a battle for everybody, but yeah. the people who've truly figured this out almost resist attempts to be recognized. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. What were you going to say here? I was going to say, I think about what Jesus said of the Pharisees. He noted how they went around and prayed in front of everybody. Yeah. And he said, you know, they've already received their reward, you know, because they were seeking the the attention of other people and the recognition of other people. And he said, so when you pray, don't let anybody know what you're doing. Pray in private, pray to God, and your reward will be greater because you're your aim isn't to be recognized or should not be to be recognized by others, but to be seen by God and God alone. Yeah. Willing to serve a child. That's what he challenged his mm. disciples with. Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he, for he who is least among you all is the one who is great. Well, one more passage of scripture also out of Luke. Uh, this is a, a, a very similar, but with a slight twist. A dispute also, ar- also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. He said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. You want to be great? Serve. You want to be great? Be a person who's humble. In the kingdom of God, that's the path. Everything you need to start your day right. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. So you want to be great. You want to have a place of significance. Christmas time. My kids got a chance to be a part of the Christmas program at church. Our church does things a little different. It wasn't the traditional Christmas pageant kind of thing, but okay. the the young people got a chance to do a, a dance, a choreographed dance to oh. a, a a kind of an upbeat Christmassy type song, and so they learned it was the teenagers like sixth to twelfth grade. There was about sure. fifteen to eighteen of them. They got to get up on stage and do this choreography, and so both of my kids were a part of it. My daughter, who is the classic firstborn type A daughter, diligently worked on her choreography. She had those steps nailed. My son, who is the classic younger brother, eh, I'll practice a little (laughs) bit. I'll get to it. I get to it. But when he shows up on the day of the event, he was um, a little put off because um, my daughter was the one who was going to be in center stage in the front. And he was going to be in the second row. Sure. Slightly behind. Yeah. And he was one of the younger kids, so he wasn't going to, like, tower over the rest of the group to be seen. Sure, yeah. And he, who hadn't really cared to practice all that much, and was like, I, I feel like Gabby's getting all the shine. <laughs> like, why didn't they put me in the front row? Why did they put so-and-so? I really feel like I should have been in the front row. And I'm like, hmm, isn't that a lot like human nature? We have this thing. We don't really say it like that. Because we get a filter, and an 11 year old boy doesn't have much of a filter. So, in his mind, was why am I not being showcased in this Christmas program? That's (laughs) not supposed to be about me, by the way. (laughs) 
<laughs> that I feel like I should be seen and I'm in the back and nobody can see that I can do the dance too. We have this thing in us that kind of thinks that the most important place to be is in front where people can see us mm-hmm. or our um, work, our dance moves in this case can be appreciated by the crowd. Yeah. We want to be recognized. It's in us. And lest you think that it's just my son, when's the last time that at work somebody else got recognition maybe for something that you did? Mm. Did not your flesh scream like, hey, wait a second. Yep. It was me. Yep. We're going to be handing out awards here. (laughs) Should be going to me. Pass one of those my way. Greatness often is measured by the world in clicks and likes, in our position, in our promotion, in how many people see what we've done, how many congratulations we can get. The disciples of Jesus were not immune to this sort of thinking. An argument rose among them. I'm reading now from Luke 9, 46 through 48. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. They asked a question that's very common to human nature. Which one is the greatest? They're kind of jockeying for position. This is not the first or the only time that they did this. Remember when... uh, Was it uh, the sons of Zebedee's mother who goes and asks Jesus, hey, so just just want to ask, can my two sons sit on your right and your left? Yeah. Would it be okay if they were at the top when you get to heaven? (laughs) Really? So this was this was a a kind of a common thing. Like who which one of us is the most important? And Jesus doesn't answer the question directly. He knows the reasoning of their hearts. He understands the thinking behind the question. So he does a little illustration, kind of an object lesson for them by bringing a child close to him, a child who wasn't considered all that significant social standing wise. But he says, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. He links greatness to being the least among you. He links being the least among you as someone who's willing to receive or serve a child. He doesn't just say, be like this child. He says, receive or serve this child. You want to be great? Serve. You want to be great? Humble yourself. You want to be great? Don't think about how high you can go. Think about how low you can go. Hmm. How low can you go? <laughs> I thought about that too. A I know. limbo. I know. You were thinking it. Yeah, limbo, just like limbo. Greatness requires us to get low, to not think about the worldly metrics, but to humble ourselves. James 4, 6 says this, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So where are you at with this today? I know it's tempting to want to find your sense of self, your sense of worth by how many people see what you're doing. But let's get low. 
New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. So the least are called great. The least among you all is the one who is great. Those were Jesus's words to his disciples. Uh, turning upside down, their the reasoning, their notion that they that somehow greatness was acquired any other way by who was going to be in charge, maybe by who was considered the most important. That's the metrics that we tend to look at when we consider greatness. This is why it's so tempting to esteem highly people who are in positions of power or influence. Yeah. We almost get like enamored with this stuff. Oh, absolutely. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor and it was not because I had a passion for the theater. It was because I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be appreciated. And uh, I thought that that was a good way to do it. And I think that that's kind of that, that sense of chasing greatness. You know, it wasn't a, 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 passion for the thing it was a passion for being known and yeah. being considered great yeah and that's it's such a common one and i think it's it's common at any age any age so i don't want yeah. you to feel like i'm picking on any particular group of people i think the a younger generation in particular that's grown up with so much of their life being lived out on social media and mm-hmm. kind of broadcast for the world. Yeah. I think that this is this principle is particularly difficult. Oh, absolutely. For, for young people. Absolutely. Um who can maybe struggle in jobs that feel like they're they're beneath them or yeah. uh positions that feel like don't fully recognize what they can do. Mm-hmm. Um but again, because pride is a human issue, it creeps into every generation, uh, but it's it's interesting raising now. I have a a fourteen year old and a, an eleven year old, so the the teen and the tween uh, demographic. There's definitely a a difference in terms of the expectation of 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 younger people. Oh yeah, my my husband sees this as a coach. You know, he and he's now old enough to be um, the the a, a father to some of his younger players. Mm-hmm. And you can't, it seeps in yeah. that sense of like, well, well, why would I not be considered as important here? Where, where visibility is linked to importance. Yeah, absolutely. So if I'm not being recognized, then it must be that people have overlooked me. I think, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go out on, go too far down this rabbit trail, but I think in addition to us being in spiritual crisis mm-hmm. as a nation, that's hitting our young people hard. I think the worldview that says that if I'm not seen, publicly recognized, constantly affirmed, yeah. then something must be wrong. Yeah. I think some of that is what contributes to some of the mental health concerns is what we've called it for young people. Oh, Absolutely. Is that if I'm not seen as doing something significant, do I even matter? Have you ever heard people say like, if it's not on, like if it's not online, it didn't happen? Oh or yeah, if it's not Facebook official, is how people used to say that. It's yeah. like if people aren't seeing what I'm doing, then it has no impact. Does what I'm doing even matter? Yeah, you're right. It's it's a a dangerous equivalent to make mm-hmm. because it's not true. Yeah. I mean, there are so many people who who go unseen. That's why we have like the, 
you know, here at Moody, every year they have an unsung hero award that we can make nominees for because there are people who are around us every day that serve, that love, that take care of people that nobody sees. It's not out in the spotlight, but it doesn't mean that what they're doing doesn't have an impact. And so how do we, the question of how do we live this out, and this is a constant one that I I think it's good to grapple with, where we examine our heart and our motives. Um, God calls us to sometimes do things that are visible. And so you could look at a job like like ours, like a radio host, where we talk on a microphone every day, and by God's grace, people listen to this radio station. Yeah. But it's this heart check of, why am I doing this? Yeah, absolutely. You know, wh- what is it that drives me and, and motivates me in this job? And or, or for you, what is it that drives you and motivates you to do the things that you do? And I think when we're willing to wrestle with where a little bit of pride can creep in, where a little bit of a desire for to be great in the world's eyes, where that can creep in and be willing to go to the mat and wrestle that down by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that that any, I guess any advice that I could offer would be, would be that to don't, don't run from things that God's called you to do because you fear that people will notice you. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a false humility. Absolutely. That says, I don't, I don't want to do anything that anyone could potentially think well of me because yeah. then I might become prideful. Yeah. Like I, I don't run from call the calling and assignment that God's given you just because people might recognize you for it. Ask God to keep you humble and dependent on him. Exactly. That's all I got. I mean, that's, it's the most important thing because the, everybody can make an impact for the Lord and where he wants them to go and yes. what he has for them. And some people that's more behind the scenes. And for some people that's more up front. I, preachers and radio hosts, Christian radio hosts and Christian personalities. We struggle with wanting to be known or seen. I, I'll speak for myself. I do. Sure. I, I've struggled with that. But at the same time, I wrestle with the, I know God has called me here. Mm-hmm. I know he's told me, Jonathan, I can grow you the most by you being here. So this is where I want you to be. Yeah. And I, t- I have to take that to him saying, okay, Lord, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I, I, I have a little itch in me that wants to be known, wants yeah. to be heard. And I've that's, got something to say. I've here. got something to say, but that isn't what you want me to have right now. This isn't the, the mentality you want me to have. This isn't the space you want me to have right now. Help me to be humble. Help me to sit back. Help me to say what I need to say, but do it with my eyes on your glory, yeah. not on my own. And so it's how we examine our own motives, and then it's also how we look at other people. So if you can't help but to have like a ranking where you think that the pastor's the most important person in the church, that the pastor's the greatest, and that somehow there's a hierarchy that goes down from there, not so. The least among you all is the one who is great. So the person who's in the back, never seen serving the children would be called the great one here. Yep. So better believe it. Promised you one more passage of scripture, Luke 22, 24 through 26 also draws this sharp contrast. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. He said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. 
Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. The leader as the one who serves. That's the path to greatness. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.